You know, I know that uh, Debbie Lichtenwalter just sang that song. And I do want to just, on behalf of the Lichtenwalter family, just express their gratitude to so many, uh, many here today that came yesterday to encourage them, to mourn with them, and rejoice with them. And uh, it was just great to see them right back at church today, even as they're mourning. Uh, they are faithful like Debbie uh, exemplified. And so thank you again for your support to them. Amen. So we're going to continue with the names of God. And this name you've probably heard before. And it will probably age you if you know exactly why you know this name. El Shaddai. Okay? Now, who, who, who knows this name and why? Yes. Amy Grant. Amy Grant. That's right. Okay, who knows the year that the song came out? This will really age you. 82. 82. Very good. You know, so, you know, of all the Hebrew names in the contemporary Christianity, that's probably the name we recognize most, even though it's not the greatest Hebrew name. As we know, some names are only once, some are a few times. Yahweh is over 5,000 times. Elohim is over 2,000 times. El Shaddai is only 48 times that it occurs in the Scriptures. But, like I said, because of the song, I mean, it's still stuck in my head. As a young middle-aged middle schooler, I was on a church choir and we had to sing that song. I still know it. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El no Adonai. See? Still got it. See? I still remember that song. I have no idea what those words were, but we had to sing it. So, El Shaddai. Now, what's interesting is of the 48 occurrences, 42 times is the patriarchal period. In other words, they only occur or connected with the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's very interesting. Now, outside of that, we do find it two times in Ruth, a couple times in Psalms, but guess where it occurs the most in one literary book or letter, Job. It actually occurs several times in Job, almost 30, over 30 times. And that's a whole other lesson we'd have to do because obviously Job is a very deep book to begin with. But I do find it interesting that a name occurs in a book that sometimes is very confusing. Uh, a name that really, what does this mean? What is El Shaddai? There are several different meanings it can take, but the one most common is the all-sufficient one. He doesn't need anyone else. He's got all the power in the world and above to do what he wants to accomplish. It can also refer to the God of the mountains, and that's a play on some anatomy, actually, in Hebrew. I won't get into it since we do have younger kids here. So, it's called God of the mountains, or God Almighty, as most of you, as you read your NIV translation, when you see God Almighty, that's most likely Hebrew for El Shaddai. So what does this name El Shaddai mean for us today? It means that He is the all-sufficient source. You don't need to go anywhere else for the blessings of God. And I think if we're all honest, we want the blessings of God. Is there anyone here who doesn't want the blessings of God? I want, yeah, okay, he realized what he was doing. He's like, no, I want the blessings. But how often, rather than waiting on God, who's all-sufficient, doesn't need your help, doesn't even need to be told when it should occur, we try to get it on our own. Right? And that shows we really don't understand or appreciate El Shaddai. That He will take care of it, but He's also Almighty. 
So He knows the best time, the best way to give us those blessings. He is all-powerful. In other words, our problems are not too big for God. He can take care of them. Now, before we see the first occurrence of this name, I'd like to actually go to another passage, the one in Psalms, that shows the description of this kind of God, El Shaddai. What does it really mean? Psalm 91, verse 1 through 2. It says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, and that's Hebrew, El Elyon, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, El Shaddai. I will say to the Lord, Yahweh, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, Elohim, in whom I trust. Just in those two verses, we have several names of God. But in reference to El Shaddai, what does it describe as? We're in the shadow of. Now that phrase is actually used quite often in the Scriptures, particularly in the Psalms. And it means like you're in the shadow of His wings. You ever heard that phrase? What it means is that if you're in His shadow, then you're in His protection. Not just shade from the sun, but that you're within His grasp. He's got the power to protect, to bless, and to move His will in your life. And I think that's a great way to look at El Shaddai. So now let's look at the first occurrence. Anyone want to give a, a quick guess? What do you think El Shaddai takes place first? Okay. No one wants to... What's that? Garden of the Red Sea. No, it's actually much earlier than that. No, not Garden of Eden. Noah? Not Noah. Almost a little bit further. It's a little bit before that. Before Abraham. It is actually with Abraham. So if you go to Genesis chapter 17, it's actually in connection. This is actually after he's already tried to get the blessings on his own through Hagar the servant and Ishmael. And that's an interesting one because remember we did the name of God El Roy or El Roy. And that's where Hagar gives that name to God because God saw her in her misery. So now we're a little bit later in the narrative. And unlike El Roy where the name is given to God, God actually gives Abraham this name. So God Himself calls Himself El Shaddai, the Almighty. So let's read that in verse 1 through 8. When Abraham was 99 years old, how old? That's pretty old. The Lord Yahweh appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God, Elohim, said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Now think about that for a minute. How old was he? And he just got told he's going to be what? How much time has he got to make nations? You know what I'm saying? I mean, Would this take an almighty God? For that promise, that blessing to take place? I would think so. It goes on. And kings will come for you. It didn't say king. It said kings. He's 99. It would take an almighty God to fulfill this blessing through this 99-year-old man, Abram, at the time. It goes on. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come for you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you 
and your descendants after you, for the generations to come to be your God, Elohim, and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God, Elohim. Whereas Hagar gave a name to God, El Roi, God Himself gives this name to Abram. I am God Almighty. I am the El Shaddai. And this might is connected to blessings. It's connected to a promise of this everlasting covenant with Abraham, who is now given the name Abraham, father of many nations. Truly, God would have to be mighty to fulfill these blessings. Look at the promises. Let's, let's actually just stop for a minute, because so often we can read through this and just move on. Because we don't realize these blessings are not just Abraham. Right? Who else are they actually promised to? His descendants. Any descendants of Abraham in this room? Yeah, you, you, some of you are like, am I Jew? Let's see. Do I, yeah. Through Christ, which we'll get to at the end, we are all descendants of Abraham. So when we go through these blessings, we need to understand God, El Shaddai, the Almighty, the self-sufficient, the God of the mountains, could He fulfill those blessings in your life? Absolutely. We're a part of those, but they're still alive. This is the amazing thing about the Word of God. It's not just stated once and over. When God states something and that promise has not been fulfilled as He decides, it's still in effect. That's a powerful thing when we think of El Shaddai. So let's look at it. You will be the father of many nations. Did that happen? Was it easy? No. And that's something we realize that just because he's El Shaddai doesn't mean we always like El Shaddai. Just ask Job, who mentioned his name 31 times, but mostly in the negative. El Shaddai has put me in this distress. El Shaddai has, has persecuted he, He's not very positive toward El Shaddai and Job. But El Shaddai is mighty regardless. But sometimes our perspective or our setting, our context, can change how we view El Shaddai. But despite all those things... He made him a father of many nations. He says, I will make you very fruitful. How fruitful? Very. Anyone here want to be just uh, fruitful or very fruitful? Right? Can we claim this blessing? No, can we claim this blessing? Why are we so hesitant? Somehow, do we not think we're worth it? It's not really about us. At this point, he says, if you're faithful to me, if you walk blameless, I, and then, and then he, without Abraham even done anything yet, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you that, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you that, I promise this, I promise... Has he done anything yet? We need to believe El Shaddai means what he says. We don't have to just be, uh, fruitful. We can be very fruitful. He says, I will make nations of you. And when you think about any entity, a kingdom, that has made more nations, isn't it the Church of Christ? Hasn't it gone all over the world? It's lasted longer than any other physical kingdom that's combined of nations from all over the world? I mean, this is fulfilled and we're continuing it. Look around! How many nations do we have represented just in this room? 
You know, we had a great opportunity yesterday that the church put on a oneness, a diversity training. Uh, I know some of you I saw there. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. It was so cool to sit down. We actually had a time where we had to sit down and, and answer some really basic questions, which honestly I think should be your Bible talk this week. Just ask those questions. The first one was just simply, how did you grow up? Of course, some of us joke, well, I haven't grown up yet. That's the problem. <laughs> but, but how'd you grow up? And man, you, you, you realize that, wait a minute, I kind of had this idea because of what race they were, what economic situation, how their life would be, and it was completely different. And that was so amazing to hear. Guys, He's going to make many nations of us. He doesn't want one, one race. He wants all of us. That's the blessing through Abraham. It says, kings will come from you, did they? Oh yeah. Particularly one of the greatest kings of Israel, David. But was that the final king? No, we'll get to that. It says, I will establish this covenant as an everlasting one. Was this a temporary promise? If it's everlasting, does it mean these blessings still are in effect today? Yes. But it's funny how we don't want to claim them. And yet these are a promise from El Shaddai. Is He mighty enough to fulfill those even today? Absolutely. Just by looking in the past and seeing what He fulfilled through the Jews, through the descendants of Abraham, all the way up through David, through Jesus, and beyond through the church, He's not done. That's what El Shaddai can do. It says the whole land of Canaan will be given as an everlasting covenant. Now there were times that the Jews didn't possess the land, but who has it now? They're back there again. Despite everything that's taken place. See, sometimes we think that the old covenant promises are just a shut deal. They still exist for the Jews. That's their Bible. That's their God. But through Christ, man, we get even greater blessings. We get the El Shaddai of the Old Testament. We get the El Shaddai of the New Testament. Through Jesus Christ, the Almighty, the All-Sufficient. And it says, I will be their God. God came to Abraham and said, I am God Almighty. If you had a quiet time this morning and God approached you and said, I am God Almighty, would you listen? I would hope so. But you realize every morning when you open up the Word, that's the God who's speaking to you. I am the God Almighty. But God, yeah, I understand that. You said, give me that name. That's all cool name and all. I also die. I heard the song. It's really good. But God, you don't understand my situation. My problem, I am God Almighty. No, you don't understand. I've been trying so hard for years. I'm not overcoming the sin no matter what. I am God Almighty. Do we believe that the God we serve is Almighty? See, I think the problem is, is we, we only agree He's Almighty when it's on our terms. But did Abraham get it exactly the way he wanted? No. It took time. There were still challenges, as well as the lineage of those descendants. You know, it's amazing as you go on, did this blessing continue? Because he said this blessing was not just Abraham, but to whom? To his descendants. Well, who is his direct descendant? Of the promise, not Ishmael, Isaac. Well, let's look at there and let's see if El Shaddai is still present. Genesis 28, verses 3 through 4. Here's Isaac speaking. May God Almighty, El Shaddai, bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. 
until you become a community of peoples. May He give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God, Elohim, gave to Abraham. Who is the one speaking? It's Isaac. And how does he refer to his God? He says, My God Almighty. I think Abraham had a pretty good family talk with his son. He passed it down and says, Hey, hey Isaac, here's what God said to me. God, oh, God Almighty. Do you know that name, Isaac? Well, what's his name again? El Shaddai. God Almighty. Say it with me. El Shaddai. To Isaac. This was no longer Abraham's El Shaddai. It was his El Shaddai. Is it your El Shaddai? Is it your mighty God? Or is it just the mighty God of those who are more faithful in your mind? No, He's yours. Isaac took ownership of El Shaddai, and now he's encouraging his son to carry it on. And he repeats a lot in different phrases the same blessings that we get from El Shaddai through Abraham. So I wonder if Jacob got it. Let's move on. Genesis 35, verse 9 through 12. After Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God, Elohim, appeared to him again and blessed him. God, Elohim, said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God, Elohim, said to him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. And kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, Isaac I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. Is El Shaddai still present? So we see with all the three key patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was their God Almighty. And He continues the blessings, does He not? Now I find it interesting that between Abraham and Jacob, what happens again? A name change. Just as He did with Abraham, you are no longer Abram, but you're Abraham, father of many. Now He says, you're no longer Jacob, the great deceiver. I'd hate to have that name. You are now Israel. How I know we really believe in El Shaddai is our name is different. We no longer live by the name that we used to describe us before Christ. When we have El Shaddai in our life, we're given a new name. Even Revelations talks about in the end, we'll be given a white stone with a name written on it. What's that name? Maybe it's not yet determined. Maybe it's based on how you live faithfully and blamelessly now that determines what name's on that rock. I don't know. But if we truly understand El Shaddai, that He's Almighty, does He have the power to bless our lives? Absolutely. I find this interesting as He talks to Moses. Very interesting verse. I never caught this before. Exodus 6, verse 2-5. through God, Elohim, also said to Moses, I am the Lord Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, the patriarchs, as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by the name Lord Yahweh, 
I did not make myself fully known to them. Did you catch that? I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. El Shaddai, very clearly, from this passage and simply by looking where it occurs, was a name of God for the patriarchs. And God Himself talking to Moses, saying, Yes, to the patriarchs, I'm El Shaddai. But I never revealed my whole self to them. What? Maybe part of the blessings, the everlasting blessing, is we get to know more and more about God. Because even the original patriarchs don't get to know what we get to know. How amazing is that? What is yet to be revealed about God in your quiet time that He might reveal to you? He'll say, yes, I talked to your your patriarchs, I was El Shaddai. Later on to Moses and and the, the Israelites, I was Yahweh. But to you, I am Abba Father. What's the next name? What's the next description that God may reveal to you? Because He's Almighty. He's all-sufficient. And we'll never, the minute we think we got it down, there's more to learn. That's how big and amazing God is. And here's the patriarchs! And they didn't even know Him fully. But they were faithful with what they did know. And I think that's an important lesson right there. Because sometimes we, we excuse ourselves, well, I don't know enough yet, so I'm not really accountable. Really? They weren't revealed the whole image of God, and yet they were called to be righteous and blameless. It's a question of faith. It's a question of trust in El Shaddai. From this point on, after Moses, El Shaddai would pretty much disappear from the language for the Israelites. It would be replaced by Yahweh or Adonai. Because Yahweh became so sacred, they couldn't even say it, so they would say Adonai in its place. But El Shaddai is still present. It's still, it's still a description of God. It's, he is the Almighty. Now remember, one of those blessings was what? Not only would it be fruitful, not only would it increase in number, not only would there be many nations, but what would come from Him? Kings. Kings. Guess where we suddenly, all of a sudden, find the word El Shaddai again? Ruth. And like Job, it's not very positive. Let's look at it. Ruth chapter 1, verse 20 through 21. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty, El Shaddai, has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord Yahweh has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord Yahweh has afflicted me. The Almighty, El Shaddai, has brought misfortune upon me. What that shows to us, guys, is where we're at in life changes how we view El Shaddai. Is He still Almighty? If you accept that and you're in Ruth's situation, that's a harder thing to swallow. If He's not Almighty, then maybe He just wasn't paying attention and that's why I'm being afflicted. See, this is where we've got to expand our mind a little bit. Just because He's Almighty doesn't mean our life is hunky-dory. All blessings and rainbows. Sometimes there's going to be hard times. 
but he is still El Shaddai. He's still Almighty. And see, Ruth will eventually reveal to Naomi that El Shaddai is Almighty, but he wasn't hurting her. He was actually allowing it to bring about what he promised through Abraham a long time ago. Because if you know the rest of the story, as we got to study it out last year, what eventually happens? Boaz, the daughter-in-law, decides to go back to Jerusalem with this bitter person, but is faithful to her, is loyal to her, even though she is not even of God's people. She's a Moabite. Eventually comes in contact with Boaz, who happens to be in the lineage of what descendants? David, David, who came from? Abraham. They marry. And a few generations later, who comes around? King David. God Almighty. When we're going through hard times, that's when we have to believe He truly is Almighty. But that doesn't mean the blessing comes right then. I think of many of us in this room, we have situations like this. Whether it's maybe our health, there's no explanation. We've prayed, we've done everything within our power to, to try to heal, and it's not going away. God Almighty! Call me Mara! But He's not done. His blessings are on His timing. And even though that suffering may continue, we don't know His will, but we have to trust He can bring about greatness and goodness from it. Not all things are good, but He can bring out good from it. Some of us may have financial challenges. You're living paycheck to paycheck and maybe not even that. And I know that feeling when you get there and you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to have milk for my kids tomorrow. I grew up like that with my dad's situation, being terminally ill and not able to work a lot. There were times we had no food. But somehow God always provided. Someone from a neighbor or someone from the church we were part of would just suddenly drop off food. We never actually went hungry. We didn't get all the the stuff maybe we wanted to eat, but we got what we needed, not what we wanted. We have to trust that God is still Almighty, even if the blessing isn't clear. I think many of us, the hardest one, is when our children do not become disciples or become and then leave. And I can feel the pain even as I say it. And it's at that point that we could become like Job when he uses El Shaddai or like even Naomi when she uses El Shaddai and think, it is this Almighty God who has afflicted me and that is not our Almighty God. He may allow this for a time, but we've got to maintain hope. We've got to believe that there is no end as long as there is breath in their lungs. Those blessings can still extend to our children. And the verdict's not out on our children who are disciples. We may be there tomorrow. And so that's why we've got to learn to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, but we've got to learn to mourn with those who are mourning, and we've got to appreciate each other and give each other hope, but at the same time, not ignoring the pain. Because that's some of the greatest pain I believe imaginable is when we don't know how our children are going to end up. He's still Almighty. David would be Israel's greatest king. But remember it said, kings 
will come from him. What other possible king could fulfill the blessings of El Shaddai? I like that. Everyone's going, hmm. Anyone want to venture a guess? Jesus. Turn to Acts 3.13. We're almost done here. Two passages to go. Acts 3.13 says, The God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, the patriarchs, has glorified His servant, Jesus. Now this is the New Testament, so there's no Hebrew. It's Greek. But when you mention the three names in connection with God, who are we talking about? El Shaddai. Even though we won't find that name there, that's who it's referring to. And this El Shaddai, ultimately, what king? Did he come from Abraham? He glorified his servant, Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we too can experience and share in God's blessings. Truly, El Shaddai is almighty. When you look at the large narrative from the original promise to Abraham, all the way through Israelites, up and down history, different nations coming in, taken off to captivity, brought back Roman control, and then he brings Jesus and all that? And he's still continuing? Is he almighty? I know he's almighty because supposedly yesterday was the end of the world. What day is it? 24th. I guess it wasn't the end of the world because we're not in control. He's in control. Right? Now, he may end it tomorrow, so be ready. He's almighty. Let's close with this last passage as we prepare our hearts for communion. Galatians 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree, as some translations say. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. El Shaddai is still Almighty. Through Christ, He has redeemed us. We are now adopted into the lineage of Abraham by faith, which means we also are adopted in to those blessings that only an almighty God could fulfill. But those blessings weren't on our timing. How many times did He repeat the blessings of Abraham and they still weren't in their land? You're still foreigners. But I'm blessing you, it's going to be your land. We've got to look at our life on earth in the same way. This isn't the land ultimately He's blessing us with. There's a greater land. Because He's El Shaddai. And no matter what circumstances happen, no matter how hard or dark the day may come, He is all sufficient. None of our problems are too small for Him. He is the Almighty. He is the El Shaddai. You know, as I said at the beginning, El Shaddai also means the God of the mountains. Think about how many times the mountains were involved as the Almighty proved faithful to His promises. Abraham and Isaac, Jehovah Jireh, nope, I will provide the Lamb. 
Moses on Mount Sinai gives us the law to know about God and His covenant with us. David at Mount Zion, as he is the king who came from Abraham. And finally, Jesus at Mount Golgotha, where He was crucified, and we too now can become descendants of Abraham. As we pray for communion, let us appreciate the blessings the Almighty God has given to us through Abraham, ultimately through Christ, and through us remaining faithful. I know you're probably wondering, okay, what do I do with this? You simply believe. This is one of those lessons, you can't do anything, He doesn't need you to. He's all-sufficient. He's all-powerful. You just need to trust Him. If you want to know what you need to do, trust Him. That He is almighty, that He can achieve that which He chooses to achieve, but on His timing. He is the El Shaddai. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, we come to You claiming that name, El Shaddai, the All-Sufficient One, the God of the mountains, the God Almighty. It is amazing to see how that God has fulfilled His promises, His blessings, but on His timing. All the way from Abraham through the patriarchs, to Moses and the law, to the many kings, and ultimately to the bringing of Jesus Christ as man in the flesh. We are thankful that He was willing to pay that price. He was willing to give up His life, to spill His blood, to break His body on our behalf, so that we too could experience the blessings that come through Abraham. Help us to believe. Help us no matter how dark it may be, that You are a God Almighty that is in control. We are in the shadow of Your protection. And though we may suffer at times, we will eventually be brought to that land that we can possess forever. A land where You are our God. It's in Jesus' name and in El Shaddai that we pray. Amen.